Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be at involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Hello, good afternoon, and good evening, my beautiful people, to my fellow Ghanaians and my adopted Ghanaians, those who love to listen to the Team Ghana U podcast. Um, today, I actually want to run through quite a few things, if I'm being very honest. I think quite a number of interesting topics and things have come about in the past week or so. So I think it'd be really interesting to just cover them very briefly. So actually, what I will do is I'll give a quick synopsis of what I want to cover today. So I very quickly want to go over our article, which we published last week, because I think that feeds into a topic or an article I found online or something I certainly wanted to research and then present. So I want to go into that very quickly. And then I'm going to talk about, sorry, this has been, so this podcast has been recorded the day after the Champions League final, in which obviously Manchester City won. So I'm going to talk about that very, very briefly and some of the subjects surrounding that. And then I kind of want to get into, or just weave in there the messy deal in regards to him going to, into Miami. So let me just begin with an article last week. And actually, I almost forgot the name of it. No, the article was, who is more important, I believe, um, the sporting director or the manager? So I'm going to very briefly just read maybe a couple of paragraphs from the article, and then I'm going to go into one or two other bits and pieces, as I've just mentioned. So the question of whom holds more importance to football to a football club, sorry, is subjective and can vary depending on various factors. Both roles are crucial and contribute significantly, significantly, sorry, to a club's success, but their responsibilities and areas of focus differ. For European clubs, sporting directors are the norm, but they have taken on more significant roles in recent years in the Premier League. Why? With the success of this role, it is only right we delve into the matter, the differences between the roles and some of the recent successes and why it's taken on a more significant role in recent years. So in the article, I talk about Barcelona, Sevilla. Um, I'm sure there are one or two other clubs I talk about as well. Let me see if I can find them. Benfica and Manchester City, which I think is a really good actual point going into their win last night. I'll continue with the, with the article and the, and the last two paragraphs. In reality, the success of a football club can often depend on the synergy between the synergy and collaboration between the sporting director and the manager. A harmonious relationship between the two can create a strong foundation for success, as the sporting director's long-term vision aligns with the manager's ability to translate that vision into on-field performances. The roles of the sporting director and manager complement each other. I think that's really important to add and their combined efforts are necessary for sustained success. This article came from, or it was born out of an article, so it was born out of a topic on sport or talk sport. Continuing. On that talk sport show and conversation between Simon Jordan and Martin O'Neill, the discussion began over breaking news that Julian Nagelsmann, or Julian Nagelsmann, turned down the Tottenham Hotspur job for the reason in not knowing who the pending director of football would be, not knowing who he would be working for, Speaking to the importance of the synergy. Now, um, this last paragraph is the conclusion. In a world of football, the roles of a sporting director and manager are complementary. The success of a football club hinges on the synergy between the sporting director and a manager. While the sporting director sets the strategic direction, player recruitment and long-term vision, the manager brings that vision to life on the field through tactical decision-making and nurturing a winning culture. Sevilla... Barcelona, Benfica and Manchester City exemplify the effectiveness of this collaboration, with each club showcasing sustained success through a joint effort of their sporting directors and managers. 
Recognising the complementary roles of these positions is vital for a football club seeking long-term prosperity in an ever-evolving sport. Now, um, I think that was a really, really interesting article. And obviously, I only talk about Manchester City, Sevilla, Benfica, and I think Barcelona in those topics. Sorry, in the, in, in the article, sorry. But I'm sure there are many other clubs in this country, in the UK, sorry, and around the world in which we could have used or even highlighted. But I found it really, really interesting. Not that I write the scripts. In fact, I do. But I'm not too sure I intentionally timed it around Manchester City, obviously winning the Champions League last night. Um, but I think it's really, really interesting, the relationship between Chiki Bergestein and obviously um, Pep Guardiola. And obviously that's a relationship that was, that began, sorry, um, with his time obviously in Barcelona. And that's something that's found itself into the, the Premier League and obviously into Manchester City. And I think it's becoming a bit more ever prevalent that we're beginning to see those type of relationships because as I mentioned, obviously in our school, I think for sustained success, both financially and obviously, and I think in the football team, I think you're going to find this evolving model, this model evolving and and featuring in in a number of clubs a bit more often. I I began this article. I wrote this article. I think off the back of more so just trying to understand because um, this is this is an evolving project in in regards to research and just. Wanting to understand the landscape and obviously in Ghana just a little bit more, or even trying to even provide information for other people who would like to know the landscape a little bit more, or just find it interesting. And in so, I did a bit of research in regards to who is the director of football in Ghana. And the director of football might be the wrong term I'm using, um, but I want to find this article. Please do not leave me. Um, where is this article? I had it here. Okay, um, so I was unaware who the GFA technical director was, but apparently it's a Bernard Lippert. Okay, so the title of this article is Youth Leagues Are Not Enough, But Is a Start. Ghana Football Association technical director Bernard Lippert emphasised that while youth leagues play a crucial role in developing talent, they are not enough to propel Ghanaian football to a better level. I would agree with that, but I think it's definitely a good start, or certainly definitely is needed. It's the foundation, so there's no getting away from that. I think it's... Anyway, he talks about it in the article. Lippitt's remarks shed light on the need for comprehensive strategies and investments to ensure sustainable progress in the sport, urging stakeholders to recognise youth leagues as a promising starting point, but not the ultimate solution. That is correct. I think it's definitely um, a starting point, but definitely not a solution. But I think it will go a long way to ensure Ghanaian football is sustainable. I'm not really sure how this has been said, but maybe it's just a poor... It's been said poorly, but let me just... I'll say it and hopefully I'll translate it properly. Before the management game in place, not even a youth league, and now we have almost, for all age groups, youth league. I think what he's saying was there was not even a manager in place, and now we have um, youth leagues for all age groups. Honestly, it's not enough, but it's a big, big start. We have 10, 15 years, not Colts football. How I heard before coming in here. I think what he's saying is, um, honestly, it's not enough, but it's a big star. Um, Ghana have gone 10 to 15 years without Colts football, is what he heard beforehand. Before the, before the Federation started to build grassroots, grassroots leagues, but now we have to go to the top and develop our best player and the best of the best. I cannot confirm we only concentrate on the national teams. There's absolutely no way in hell you can concentrate on your national teams. Otherwise, all you're doing is concentrating on the here and now, which is important. I think you need to... Not only concentrate on the here and now, you need to plan for the future. And the only way you can plan for the future is by developing these leagues. There's no, I cannot believe the negligence in regards to not having Colts football or youth football for 10 to 15 years. 
insult, what you're doing is you're allowing people, which is cool, because I think there should be independence by way of having independent academies, etc., etc. But you cannot... I think the, the, the GFA have to have some form of infra- infrastructure in place in regards to youth football. You know, there has to be a ma- some form of management of that system. Yes, of course, people are going to go outside of that system and develop their own systems, you know, and develop their own profiles, etc., etc. But you cannot have... You can't have nothing, I guess is the point I'm making. Um, but the reason why I think I wanted to um, bring this article to light was because also in the subject of technical directors, football directors, all that type of stuff, I think it was just important to just highlight, obviously, who is the technical director and what is going on, obviously, in the Ghanaian Football League. And the other things that I wanted to bring to light today were, in the world of football, were the... Um, I found this really interesting. Obviously, on the back of Manchester City, obviously, winning the Champions League last night. And them being... Are they Saudi-owned? No, they're not Saudi-owned. Well, I'm not, anyway, I'm not sure, I can't remember where they're, where they're from. But over the past couple of weeks, I think there's been a lot of news coming out. Certainly muted, but obviously it's been obviously mainstream news in regards to um, um, Saudi money and, and how it's beginning to dominate the space of football. And I think the big news coming out of sport in general to begin with was the PGA Tour agreeing to merge with the rival or their rivals, the Live Golf. I'm not too sure what the Live Golf stands for, Live, the acronym for it. Um, but there was a massive dispute obviously between the two in recent time where people were going from the PGA Golf to play for or playing the tournament, playing the Live Golf tournament where they will earn huge, huge sums of money. And now they've made a decision to merge together where they can essentially coexist. I'm not too sure how that's going to work. And yeah, I'm not too sure how it's going to work. And I'm not too sure of some of the details and particulars currently out there. But I guess the news that has come out of the conversations that have continued since then is that, you know, People have been upset by, and I want to do this kind of in air quotes by the, I think generally speaking, when people talk about the Saudis, they, they talk about their morals as a country or some of the things that are currently going on in the country. And I guess you can do that for many, many countries, really. I think you can do it, um, you know, in, in the Far East. And I guess you can do it in the West as well in regards to some of the morals, morality and the things that have taken place, not only now, but historically as well. But the conversation, that has come out, sorry, is actually for as long as you have money or there's enough money on the table, there is a world where both both parties can coexist. And with that being said, I think it's only a matter of time before we see more Saudi money coming into the world of sport. I think we're seeing in boxing where a lot of the big fights are going to um, Saudi Arabia and that part of the world, which I think is great, really. I think you, I think, I think, sorry, forget football. I think sports should be moved around the world. It's not something that can only or should be enjoyed in the West. I think it's something that should be moved around. I think that's been seen with the World Cup in recent years, for good or bad reasons, you know, or for good or for better. I mean, no, for anyway, for better or for worse. Um, but I think it's good that it, do, it, it does move around the world. I know there was a lot of controversy in regards to the Qatar World Cup. And I think it's only a matter of time before we see the, the World Cup in, in Saudi Arabia. I think with a lot of the, again, with a lot of the footballers obviously playing now in Saudi Arabia and Karim Benzema recently going to Saudi Arabia, recently leaving Real Madrid to go to Saudi Arabia and play for, I'm not even too sure who he's playing for. But I think that news and him deciding to make the decision, I think is a sign that the game is changing. You know, there's now a lot more money in the sport. And I think that's a good... Do you know what? I've been questioning that, whether it's a good thing. What I do know is going to provide a lot more opportunity. And with that being said, I want to move on to kind of what will be the last part of this article or so last part of this podcast 
which is Messi's Saudi deal. And Saudi deal. So Messi's deal with Inter Miami. And I think that's a little bit intertwined um, with my last topic or last point as to the Saudi investment or Saudi involvement in football. But I think the reason why I wanted to mention the Messi deal, and hopefully I can find it, is because I think it's a sign of the times, or forget the sign of the times, I think it's a sign that football, um, the deals that are now taking place, I think are going to have a bit of equity. And I think they're going to be a bit more complex and, and, and a bit more dynamic going forward. And I think that's a good thing for not only of the world of football, but I think that's a good thing, I think, for African football. And hopefully, deals such as Messi's move to the MLS, I think, will hopefully create a form of um, dynamism or creativity as to ownership models and even ideas and thoughts as to African football. Um, so I'm going to go through Messi still very briefly, and hopefully all of this information is in the article that I'm going to currently read. So Leo Messi agrees to contract with MLS into Miami after two years of PSG. So I'm just going to go into this article very briefly. In fact, this article is going to be read via the Independent. So, um, so when I go into see the Apple deal, the Apple deal, sorry, MLS contract salary debut and everything we know. What is the deal into Miami offering Messi? The exact terms of Messi's new contract or the Messi's new salary and the length of the contract are yet to be known. A report from Sport details Messi is due to sign a four-year contract, while another Spanish report claims his salary could be worth up to 50 more, 54 million pounds, sorry, dollars per season. Regardless of the exact final figure, Messi is almost certain to become the, the highest paid player in MLS, with Chicago Fires Shakiri currently top earner on 8 million dollars per season. Messi may also be handed a purchase option for part of the MLS team once he retires, in a similar manner to David Beckham's contract with LA Galaxy signed 16 years ago that allowed him to purchase Inter Miami. Who owns Inter Miami? Inter Miami is owned by David Beckham and George Mass, an American businessman. Beckham had the option to purchase an MLS expansion team for $25 million as part of his contract signed when playing for LA Galaxy. Beckham and the ownership team were awarded MLS's 25th franchise in late 2018. Why are Apple and Adidas involved? Apple and Adidas involved in a deal, sources have told The Independent. Apple and MLS signed a 10-year, $2.5 billion deal earlier this year and see Messi as a key player to expand interest in the league. Apple is especially invested in Messi, having made a four-part docuseries surrounding Messi's five World Cup appearances, which will soon be available to stream on Apple TV. Adidas, meanwhile, a corporate sponsor of the MLS, has looked into a profit-sharing agreement with Messi, sources tell The Independent, which will be aligned to any future increase in MLS-related sales linked to the player. The sportswear giant, which has sponsored Messi since 2006, has been tied to MLS since its inception in 1996 and will continue to supply kits to all 29 teams and provide the league the league's official match ball until 2030 after penning a six-year, eight. $830 million extension. It's ridiculous, by the way. I had no idea. So they provide kits to all the teams. Do you know what? This is incredible. What an incredible deal. What an incredible deal. Do you know what? There's so much growth in African, in African football. It's unreal. The opportunity for me is about who is going to take the leap of faith and actually decide, not decide, who's going to take the leap of faith? Wow, wow, wow. Well, actually, I, I, sorry, I listed these things in these topics today because I feel, you know, I cannot take, sorry, there's a number of things that have taken place obviously in recent weeks, whether it's the 
the Messi deal to um, Inter Miami. Um, obviously, we haven't spoken about Cristiano Ronaldo, but Ronaldo obviously moved to Saudi Arabia very recently. Then Karim Benzema has gone to Saudi Arabia recent, very recently. Then we've got the Live Golf and the PGA combining together to actually coexist in the world um, in the space that they currently both occupy. Um, and there was something else I mentioned before as well. No, I think it was last week or the week before in the in the podcast we spoke about the right to dream and them having a team in the MLS. And I think there's some really interesting points, I think, in his article in the fa- in, so with the fact that Adidas, obviously in partnership with the MLS, but they have a contract till 2030. But not only that, they supply kits to all the teams in the division. Yeah, they supply kits to all the teams in the division. I don't know where I was going with that. I oh, sorry, there's a, there's a secondary thought there. I was just thinking about the Apple, the Apple deal that Messi has with them as well. I mean, the, um, the level of work is incredible, you know, and, um, I will not, I will not go away. I'll not go away in regards to my thoughts in regard, my thoughts as to Ghanaian football or African football and where this will go. Obviously, very recently it was muted that there'll be a Saudi Arabian um, investment as to, or into, sorry, the African Champions League. And who knows? Let's see where that goes in the next couple of weeks or next few months, sorry. Um, yeah, let's see where that goes in the next few months. But I'm very excited as to the future or very excited as to the opportunities available to, um, to, um, the opportunities available in football in general. But I think these massive, plays that are currently taking place for me just show that how dynamic football is and opportunities that might be available in African football at some time soon. Anyway, thank you for taking the time out to listen to the podcast this week. Um, and I look forward to seeing you in the next couple of weeks. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories and unfold in the coming weeks. As always, you're going to question or queries, email us at teamgarnieu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnieu on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Ooh.